Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. This morning, we have a treat for you. I actually got to get a break this weekend, and you got to get a break from me this weekend. Uh, And we're going to have Justin come and share. Justin has been here a few times, and I know we've been blessed and encouraged by him. What I love is the times that I've spent with Justin and talked with him is he has a vision to try and change the world and bring healing to the world through Jesus. And what an amazing thing that is. He's going to tell us a little bit more, but there's a table in the back outside with some information that Justin has if you want to be a part or partner with Justin. It shows some information of how you can do so. But right now, let's welcome Justin. Justin, come on up here, man. Thank you. All right. Two mics. To really get the message home. <laughs> All right. I usually always have two mics when I speak, so I'm, I'm kidding. Um, how you guys doing? Good morning. Excuse me while I just move a little, little bit around. No, it's fine. Um, just in case I want to break out into some worship songs. Look at these. Is this Sam? Is this usually where you preach from? Over here. He moves it up. Okay. Cool. There's no, no sound issues. Oh, okay, he walks around. Ooh. All right. Oh, okay. So th- this is Sam's spot. Okay, I get it. Wow. Okay. Okay. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey. This is my third or fourth time here, I think. And so... It's always such an incredible gift when someone invites you back somewhere. Um, and so if you guys are my, I, I just really feel like this has become like a second home for me. I just feel, you know, just, just so honored to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and, and I really, really mean that. Now that I've been doing this itinerant ministry with the, just a fancy word for traveling and speaking and preaching, uh, you, we get to see so many different communities and so many different 
walks of life and how people do church. And it's so fascinating to see how other people do church all around the area. Um, and I found that every single church has just like a, a different spirit about it. And so sometimes it's, you know, one of passion, it's one of uh, kindness, it's one of community and, and activity. Uh, but whenever I come to Genesis, it's like this overwhelming spirit of just goodness and sincerity and authenticity. Um, and so I, I'm sure you've heard, you know, preachers in the past, well, it doesn't matter if you're a good person, you know, it matters if you're saved, you know. And so but when we look at the scriptures in Galatians 5, it clearly says that goodness is a gift of the spirit. Um, that has to do with how you treat people. Um, are you welcoming? Are you warm? Are, are you kind? Are people excited to be around you? And the fact that you guys practice that is evident that the Spirit of God is here. Um, it is so, so evident. When we were doing the, this prayer in the morning, I was just watching and just imagining, man, God has to be up there right now going, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I meant. That's exactly what I wanted. That, that sincere community of coming together in truth um, and transparency before God and just asking him to move. Um, and you guys have a building fund. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I was going to tell my wife, I need to get a building fund. Shoot. Um, <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't know what we're going to build, but, you know, uh, I, I, it sounds like something I should have. <laughs> I, feel, I don't think you're a serious church until you have a, black, uh, uh, a building fund. So that's incredible. I'm going to be praying for you guys by the way, one, give you guys a hand, hand of applause. I mean, that's incredible what you guys have raised. Um, that's, that's amazing. And so to me, um, to a visitor, that just shows responsibility and patience and hard work and just so many great things uh, that are all a reflection of your pastor. Um, it's a reflection of who he is. Uh, the, the, the church and the community is always going to be a reflection of the leader. And so sometimes I go to somewhere in the, you know, the church, everyone might be exhausted and tired, and I look at the pastor, and he's like taking a nap. You know? So it's like you're always going to be a reflection. And so it's, it's such an honor um, to be part of what's happening here at Genesis and to, to just know Sam. It's cool to know cool pastors. I know I'm talking about church a lot, but sometimes, man, like you'll meet a pastor, and it's like, no, like... <laughs> no god and you're leading people like this is horrible like but when you can sit and and listen to a genuine pastor and it always will will strike you like halfway through the conversation when you realize oh shoot like this guy really cares about people and it just it changes this guy doesn't want anything he doesn't need he's really doing this because he cares about people guys unfortunately um, that's really, really rare. And so if you would just permit me to, to remind you just what a special thing that is um, for a pastor that, that truly cares about his community, um, it's a special thing. So thank you, Sam. I mean it, man. I mean it. Because so, I, I, I get it. Sometimes, you, you know, every single Sunday, week in, week out, people get tired, people get exhausted. Uh, and, you know, you forget sometimes about what you have and the gift that God's given you. And so... I just want to remind you that this is just a truly, truly special place. Um, so, uh, as Sam, oh, yeah, okay. As Sam was saying, um, a little bit about my ministry. If I haven't met you yet, um, I feel like I know everyone, but if I haven't met you, I want to meet every single one of you afterwards. Please just come by and say what's up. 
I'm going to be, you know, by the door at the table. I want to hear from you, know you. Uh, every single week I send out encouraging messages um, to promote healing. And so there's all my stuff. And so come say what's up so we can, we can take that off. Thank you. I appreciate it, brother. Um, but as Sam was saying, I have a vision uh, of talking about healing, of talking about true healing in, in people's lives and uh, being made whole. And so for this year, I'm preaching about uh, something that I feel will, will bless you guys. But it just speaks to that vision of a life with Christ. I believe that the ultimate healing and that the ultimate inspiration and to be completely plugged in and whole is all awaiting you in a life in Jesus Christ. Um, that's the life that we want. That's the life that this church is promoting. I feel like that's what brought you here this morning is to imagine what a life with Christ might look like and to feel that love and to feel that peace, that peace, that joy. And I know sometimes when we're reading and when we're praying and when we're doing and when we're serving, it's so easy to forget that that's the point. It's so easy to forget that God's heart for you and his plan for your life, before, after all the things, after all the stuff, after all the, the activities, that his plan for you is to live and breathe in perfect peace. That you would remain in peace. That you would stay in peace. That you would wake up in peace. And that the gifts of peace are joy, of laughter. I heard a quote the other day I loved. He said that there's no other clear sign of someone who's closer to God that, that when they're laughing. That you would remain in that. That freedom of just, man, I'm so content right now. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. No matter what's happening outside of me, I'm in peace. So Genesis Church, that's God's heart for you. And as I uh, speak this morning, I pray that God begins to, to touch you and wrestle with you, um, to open up some areas that might have been closed for a while, and to really, really speak through you. If you have uh, your Bibles this morning, I'm going to be in Matthew 21. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Tell my wife, I'm like, man, this is the dopest church ever. I'm so excited to be here. All right, maybe Matthew 21, verse 6. Okay. Matthew 21, verse 6. Jesus is ending his ministry, and he is heading into the city of Jerusalem. He's been at this for about three years, and so we are watching Jesus coming to the close of his ministry, and as he walks into the city of Jerusalem, um, something fascinating happens. Uh, something interesting happens. So, in verse six, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This passage is, is incredible because we get to see how culturally someone was received that had extremely high esteem and so in jerusalem uh, you have to imagine about 99 percent jewish people there were certain roman officials and 
uh, people that would check in on the city from time to time, but more or less, it's predominantly a Jewish area. They had their temple, they had their laws, they had their own currency, they had their own language. They pretty much had their own life, even though they had to pay taxes to Caesar every year. And so as Jesus is walking in, the people have gotten wind that this, this new king is coming, that this, this new prince of peace, this, this person who's talking about doing this new way of life is coming. And so they honor him the best they can but by lying palms on the floor. But the next word that they say to Jesus in the next sentence really got my attention. It says, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, when we study that word in church, and when we've heard that, it's usually out of a form of praise, not a form of um, admiring someone or giving someone high esteem or high worship, Hosanna. But the Jews spoke Hebrew. And in the language of the scripture, Hosanna takes a whole new meaning. The word actually means, save me now. Save me, not tomorrow, not next week, not a year but save me right now. And as these Jewish men and women are watching the king of kings and the prince of peace ride into their city, they just shout, save us now. Save us now. And it confused me because I said they have, they have power. They have what they want. They have their own language. They have their own currency. What on earth could they be asking Jesus to save them from? Let's pray. Lord God, we know, Lord, that you are the God who saves. You are the God who touches, Father. You are the God who heals. You are the God who inspires, Lord Jesus. That word inspires to breathe new life, God. Breathe new life into every single person here this morning. Thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to be here and to do this. Speak through me in your name. Amen. A few years ago, it felt like a few, it's more like six now, I was playing basketball in college. And I'd always had a a pretty big bad back. But when I went to college during conditioning, um, it just took a whole new angle. And and I injured it very badly, uh, slipping a few discs in uh, my spinal area. And so for years, I was trying to, to figure out ways to manage these symptoms of pain that I was experiencing. Um, those of you who have, who have dealt with back pain, you know that it's hard sometimes to even uh, get out of bed. It's hard sometimes to, to even move. And for a while, I was unable to move for, for about two weeks. And so after my injury and, and trying to keep playing sports and trying to keep remain active, it just became an exercise of pain management. And so I began taking, you know, different type of medications and different type uh, of pills. And uh, I got this thing called the hang-ups. And so whenever my roommates would walk in, they'd just see me kind of hanging upside down. I'm like, bro, what is wrong with this guy? This guy's nuts. So I was doing everything I could to try and manage the pain that I was experiencing year after year. A cro- uh, you know, cortisone shot. Then I'd try yoga. And then I'd try a new form of, of stretching. And then my parents would order me some kind of new machine of just pain management and managing the symptoms of what was happening in my back. Eventually, uh, a friend of mine drugged me to the chiropractor, and I never wanted to go to the chiropractor. I just thought, like, come on, how could someone really heal you with, you know, by touching you with their hand? I mean, come on. So 
uh, I, I walk into the chiropractor's office. He takes x-rays of my back, and he begins to ask me some questions. And I'm sitting there. He's like, yeah, I can, I can see a lot just by looking at your x-rays. So yeah, he says, you're having trouble sleeping, huh? I said, yeah, I am. So when you, when you stand for too long, it, it really hurts, doesn't it? I said, yeah, I can't, I can't really stand for too long without experiencing pain. He says, it's, it's the same thing when you sit. It starts to hurt after a while, huh? I said, yeah. He said, did you have in and out for lunch? I said, okay, this is getting weird. Um, <laughs> but he said, just by looking at your x-rays, I can clearly see that you have a disc that's out of alignment with the rest of your discs. And so when one disc is out of alignment, it puts pressure on these nerves that are going down your leg, going to your side, going to your shoulder, and it just feels like you have this stinging pain all day and you can never get comfort. And he says, so for years I've seen people that think they have a hip problem, that think they have a muscle problem, that they have this chronic pain down their leg, but in reality they have a back problem because the back holds all the nerves and all the sensors for the body. He says, for years I've seen people that think they have an eye twitch, and so they go and get glasses and prescribe new, new prescriptions because their eye just won't stop twitching. But in reality, they have an issue of the spine and in the issue of the back. That's the source. That's what holds the nerves together. He says, I've talked to people that have suffered from weight issues, from extreme headaches, and they take pain medication to manage all the symptoms, but they don't realize that the source of their pain is their back. And if they could align that, everything else would follow suit. This morning, I believe that we are witnessing a world that has been trying to manage the symptoms, that has been trying the hardest to just turn off the pain notifiers. Lately, it's shown up in things like racism and things like depression and things like anxiety, um, suicide. Uh, these are epidemics in our world, drug use right now. Um, and, and, and it's the, the, the type of drugs. Uh, we're seeing a huge movement towards things like heroin and towards those opiates that really just kind of turn off the pain, right? In the 80s, uh, it was very popular for things like cocaine and these things to kind of speed, to kind of get things going and get people moving and to get excited. But now people are just looking for things to turn off the pain. I don't even want to be here anymore. I just want to. I just want to check out. I just... I just want to just be in my own head. I, I don't even want to think about dealing with anything. People are trying to manage the symptoms. Politicians are trying to think of new, new policies. And, and candidates are trying to think about new things to say to manage the symptoms. But this morning, I, I wanted to share that we don't have a policy issue. That there is no... Uh, racism issue or anxiety issue or depression issue, that the source of these ills is a problem of the soul. The source. And what we're witnessing and have been witnessing is that millions and millions upon millions of souls are suffering. And that if the soul was aligned with God, if the soul became aligned with yourself, that everything else would begin to follow suit. 
Because when the soul is aligned with God, we get things like peace, we get things like joy, we get things like generosity and purpose and vision and passion and excitement. Yeah, have you ever met someone that was, uh, had low energy but was passionate? Probably not. Um, but when you're around someone who's talking about the goodness of God, who's, who's fired up, who's uh, zeroed in, it's because the soul is in alignment with God and thus in alignment with yourself and God's calling on your life. And so this morning, my, my question is simple for you. How is your soul? How, how are you really? How are you feeling? Some of you walked in here this morning not quite sure of how you even got in here because you've been suffering so much. Some of you have been carrying this with you day after day after day after day, suffering. The good news is God did not design your soul to operate that way. The good news is just the fact that you were able to walk in here this morning is hope that your story is not over. The good news is that this can be your new beginning. I really believe that you don't have to walk out of here holding on to that weight the same way that you brought it in. The good news is that there's hope. That God designed you for life and love everlasting. The promise of the scriptures is that no matter what challenge comes before you, no matter what trial, no matter what problem about a loss, that God promises you that he will keep you in peace. That he will keep you in his promises of joy. So the promise of the scriptures is not that you're not going to have challenges. We actually see that the people that followed God probably had the most challenges and that it was a joy to do so. But God did it for the refining of the soul and the refining of the spirit because challenges uh, produce perseverance, perseverance, hope, hope, character. And so how is your, your soul this morning, really? A few of you got to meet uh, my wife, and it's been awesome being married. Uh, we've been married for four months? Five? Three months. <laughs> well, as you can tell, I'm married. So, yeah, so it's been... It's been, I'm learning, as you can see. Um, yeah, a lot to learn. A lot to learn. And so it's been incredible. So I can't tell you guys a lot about marriage. I can just tell you that it, it's lightened, it lightens the load a lot. It really does make your life easier. Um, partly because it's embarrassing of just how little I do. Uh, so it's made my life a lot easier. But uh, marriage, marriage is awesome. And so... You know, we, we have fun, we have fun, we hang out a lot, um, we enjoy being around each other, but now that we've been living together for three months, we're starting to notice, like, the little things that annoy us, you know? And, and they are so, they're so, like, meaningless, but it's these little things that you're just like, wait, why would you do that? Like, when you could do this, you do that. Like, why? Why are you doing that? And so for me, my annoyance that has developed is when we go out to eat, which doesn't happen that much because we're on a budget, but when we go out to eat, 
you know, I finish eating and, and then she'll finish eating. And when she's done, she does this with, with, with her hands. And, and we'll go out to another restaurant and then she'll eat and then she'll just gently, you know, start, start doing that w- with her hands. And I look at her and say, babe, like, they've solved this problem, you know. Like many, like many years ago, like people got together and they solved this hand issue. Like we have napkins, you know. You don't have to do this. And so now just to mess with me, we'll go eat and like now the hands get higher and higher. <laughs> and so I'll stop eating and I'll just look at her and be like, oh, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. She's like, like, the hands. We'll start putting a stack of napkins next to her. It doesn't do anything. And so for me, what, what annoys her about me is because I'm, so, I'm perfect. So, um, right. What annoys her about me is no matter what, and it's getting worse, unfortunately, I miss the exit to where we're going because I will be in the car and I will be listening to a nice music or we're having a nice conversation or it's beautiful outside and I drive right by the exit. And so when we were dating, I used to be able to fake it. And I'd be like, oh, I think, you know, they, put, you know, they turned something wrong. MapQuest is off or something. I'd turn, turn around really fast. But now, but now she knows it. Literally this morning, <laughs> we were driving, and I said, I know we had to turn left on 15th Street. I said, hey, babe, look up. She's all, what? Looks up. The sign says 16th Street. She's like, oh, God. And so I literally circled the block, and we saw this beautiful brick house. And I was like, man, that's such a beautiful home. I missed the street again. <laughs> I, 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 I had to turn, turn back around. And she just goes, oh, like, it's getting, it's so bad. It's so bad. No matter where we're going, I missed the exit. And so I give that one analogy because uh, for me, and I know for most of us, a lot of us continue to drive on the freeways and streets of life, ignoring the signs that we might be going the wrong way. Ignoring um, the alert, the sensors, and, and we get to a point where uh, rerouting gets harder and harder and harder because we might continue to go farther and farther from God. And so for, for many years, uh, that, that's, that's how I live my life. And we get on autopilot and put it on a cruise control. And we, we ignore the signs saying, you know, I, I think something's up. I, I think the way you reacted to that was, was pretty out, outside of your character. I think your, your energy levels are, are lower than you, you'd like them to be. Um, have you considered looking into that? Um, how, how come, how come we, we keep having these same issues in relationships? And how come we, we tend to push people away when they get too close and we just keep driving and driving and driving, ignoring these signs that we might be heading towards a path of pain and a path of destruction. Um, so, so in the conversation uh, of the soul, I, I wonder this morning, um, ha- have some of you guys been on, been on that path? Have some of you guys been on um, that, that freeway maybe uh, not acknowledging the signs and, and becoming um, weary and becoming and dreary. I believe as a Christian, 
that is the most dangerous place a person can be. Um, I believe that as a believer, to be numb and to be checked out is the absolute dangerous place you can be. Where you're not even mad anymore, right? Have you ever seen a couple that, you know, they, they, they went from being in, in, in love and passion and then they just started arguing a lot and now they're just kind of, they're just not even there anymore. That's where you start making decisions that are so far out of your character and so far uh, juxtaposed to who you are as a person. Um, when you fall into those, those numb areas. Some of you are in here this morning, and you may not remember the last time you felt something real. The last time you felt something that truly inspired you, something that truly touched you, that, that woke up your emotions, that woke up your heart, that unlocked the keys to your soul. Some of you might be teetering on that. I pray that over the next few minutes that God begins to, to open your heart and gets past some of that scar tissue and past some of that pain. Um, and, and I know that's hard because... From the prayers this morning, I know that a lot of people in here are suffering. I know that a lot of people in here are dealing with life at a very, very, very challenging level. That people are sick, that people have died, um, that the finances may not be there, that you might be confused, that you might um, not have the health that you want. I know that there might be some souls out there um, who are suffering. A few years ago, I was working for this company that would take inner-city kids on college trips. And so it was at a time in my life where I had been kind of ignoring those signs, and I had kind of been checked out. So I got this job, and it had kind of like a a good social component to it. So I said, I'll do it. And we began to take, uh, you know, kids from San Bernardino and different parts of L.A., two places uh, like Washington, D.C., and different colleges in Northern California. And so, you know, 99% of the time, it, it, was, it was awesome, right? <laughs> 99% of the time, it was so great. See, the kids, like, have never been on a plane before. We get them to D.C., and they're like, oh, my gosh, my life has changed. I want to be a better person. I give them a high five. We're like, yeah, man, go be great at life, right? But there was this 1%, usually, where these kids were, like, dedicated to, to finding your very last nerve and, and, and dancing on it and somersaulting on it. If you've worked with high schoolers before, you know, you know what that kid looks like. You can, you can see him, all right? And so we have to work 16-hour days with these kids in, in D.C. So we're walking all day. Um, we're, we're learning. We're riding. Get, off, get on the bus. We get off the bus. That's a 16-hour days. And so because of the nature of their visit, I would have to stay in the rooms with all the boys to make sure they don't ignite something. And so you got the one kid who's been on your nerves like all day, and then he has to like be in the room and he's messing around like at night all day. And so when you wake up, you're just looking at, oh, I wish you would just try it. Oh, I wish you would try it. I wish you would do it. I wish you would. Oh, I wish you would. And so... We'd be, in, we'd be in D.C. It was a lot of like, okay, girls, like, you know, no, no twerking on the monument, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so it was this, this, long, this long week in D.C. And as we're going to, to leave that Saturday, we, uh, we get everyone through the airport, we get their lunch packed, uh, finally get everyone on the plane. And um, I sit in the plane, and now 
I start praying um, really, really hard uh, because I, I'm now sitting in the moment that has tormented me for about a year at this point. Um, I had been having these massive panic attacks on, on airplanes. And uh, throughout the whole week, it, it took all my energy to try and get psyched up to, to get on this, this airplane. Um, and it was like this, this process that, that never ended of trying to, trying to get on, then I have to get off, and I have to you know, get hyped up to get back on again. And so I'm sitting there, and I just begin to pray to God. I'm using all my energy. I'm using all the verses I know, like, Lord, you are in me, and greater is you that is in me than in the world. And I'm just, the stuff that we're, we're taught to do as Christians, right? Speak against it, bind it, you know, all, all these things, you know, psych it, speak to it, all this stuff. And so I'm sitting there and, and just begin uh, to pray and give myself the best self-help talk I can. And I'm sitting up against this window uh, next to what felt like the L.A. Rams. Um, so I'm just kind of like, you know, plastered up against the side of this window in this plane. The worst possible situation, right? And so uh, the pilot gets on. He's like, hey, you know, it's going to be a great flight. Uh, we're going to be up in about 15 minutes. Just Just relax. Uh, no problem. Sitting there, okay, 15 minutes. <laughs> I literally got on my watch. As soon as this thing has 15 minutes, we're going to back up. <laughs> we're going to be on the air, right? So I'm sitting there. The pilot comes on about 20 minutes. Hey, you know, we're having some issues uh, with the baggage. Uh, you know, we're trying to get everything in there. It's going to be about another half an hour. really appreciate your patience. Um, because of the wait, we're going to give you guys all a free movie on us. And so the only movie they had available was American Sniper. And so now, now I'm sitting there sandwiched next to the window, L.A. Rams, uh, American Sniper, praying to God, Lord, please like, let, get this plane in the air. Because when, when the plane got in the air, I, I was good. It was just like that weird, awkward time before the plane took off. I felt trapped. I felt like I couldn't get out. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I had no air, no oxygen. So I'm sitting in there. Pilot comes on about half an hour. Well, we got all the luggage on. Uh, everything is great, but apparently there's a storm getting ready to pass over the airport, and we are going to have to wait uh, for the storm to pass. Okay, this, this was like, I felt like the last storm. I was like, I feel like if God's not coming back now, I don't know what, I've never experienced a storm like this before. Plane is shaking, hardest rain I've ever felt. I literally see people like outside the guys with the people, just, just running. So I'm like, what in the world is, is going on? And so I'm just praying. I'm using every last bit of energy I have to, to just, just, just uh, if we can just get in the air. If we can just get in the air. The pilot comes on a little later. He says, okay, the good news is the storm has passed. Um, been about, maybe about two and a half hours at this point, just sitting here. Air conditioning is gone. Washington, D.C., it's about 90 degrees. Just, just sitting here. And the good news is the storm has passed. The bad news is, it's a little backed up on the runway, so we're looking at about another hour. And guys, at that moment, I knew that I had extended my ability. Um, I was operating, trying to operate the best I could at the lowest level that I was in my life. Um, emotions were, were out of control, could not handle this moment. I had been trying for a whole year to do the best I could to manage these symptoms. But God used this moment to say, no, we, we have a soul issue. 
we have a soul problem. And so I looked at the people sitting next to me, and I said, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry, um, but I'm going to, to have to get off. And so I you know, walked past them, grabbed my stuff, and I just started walking towards the front of the plane. But I, I'm walking forcefully, like, yo, I, I, I'm getting off this plane right now. And so literally, I felt like as I got this look of, of dedication and passion on my face, the flight attendant turned around and was just like, oh, no, you ain't. And so I'm walking towards her, and she's looking at me like, I wish you would bring it. You ain't going nowhere. And so as I walk to the front of the plane, I say, ma'am, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to get off. Um, I'm having an episode. I really apologize for the, the inconvenience, but I'm going to need to get off the plane. Like, you, you don't want to get off this plane. And so if you get off this plane, you're going to have to deal with the ambulance. You're going to have to deal with everyone knowing you get off the plane. We're going to have to change everything. You need to sit down, and you need to figure out a way to get through this. And so I, I try and sit down for a while. I start talking to this sweet old lady, and she's trying to encourage me. And I say, I really appreciate everything you're saying, but I'm way too crazy right now. So <laughs> I, I, I stand back up, and I say, man, I, I, I'm going to have to get off this plane. I'm so sorry. She says, all right. Well, they open the doors. And as I turn around, I, I just see a plane full of all my coworkers, all my kids, um, and 150 other people are just like, this guy is crazy. <laughs> and as I'm walking up the, the tarmac, I just put my head down. And I just begin to think, man, like, you, you, you loser. Like, you're, you're supposed to be the guy that, that helps people with their emotions. This had been like the second or, or third time this had happened. And so as, as I'm walking up, I'm just feeling so defeated and so uh, at a loss for what to do with my life. Is this going to be my, my whole life? Um, am I going to suffer with this forever? Um, and so as I get to the top desk and I start talking to the attendant to get booked for the next flight, I can literally still hear the captain talking on the radio to the rest of the plane because everyone's radios are connected. He's like, well, good news is <laughs> the runway cleared up. Bad news is <laughs> someone had to get off the plane, so we're going to have to repressurize the plane. It's going to be about another 45 minutes. So I'm like, I'm looking at the plane through the mirror like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. It was me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. And so I, I'm talking to the person. I'm just like, I'm so sorry. There's like a random guy walking by. I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. He's like, I don't even work here. I was like, I don't care. I'm, I'm sorry. And I leave the terminal. I walk down a, a few terminals in church. I sit down and, and I just start just crying. Completely just, just exhausted, bawling my eyes out. So tired. So, God, I don't want to do this anymore. If I know one thing, I know this is not your heart for my life. Your heart for my life cannot be to manage these symptoms forever. I refuse, and I don't want to say I can't, I can't fly anymore, and I can't be in, in small spaces, and when I feel trapped, I, I, just, I have these, these episodes. God, this cannot be your heart for me. And as I was sitting there with my head and my knees, so exhausted, guys. If you've dealt with these things, you know how tiring it can be not even the energy to pull my head up. And I just cried out to God. I said, God, save me. I don't have the answers. I don't know the prayer to pray. I don't know the verse to say. I don't know who else to talk to at this point. At this moment, I need you to save me. 
Church, I, I wish I, I could say that it got better in that moment. Um, I was able to get on the, the next flight, but after I got home, it got, got worse. I, I slipped into a very serious um, depression where getting out of bed was the hardest thing to do. Um, and uh, when you get out, you're so afraid to lay back down because you don't know if you're, if you're going to get up again. And so for about, about a week, I, I dealt with it at this intense level of just this, this heavy blanket on me where I had no idea how and when it was going to leave. Um, thank God at the time, my, my fiancé would write out these uh, verses for me. And so I just had the energy to go to my desk and read these verses, and I would, and I would just do that, and I would just, just read them. And she would check in and see how I was doing, and I, and I would just be, be reading these verses. Lord, I don't want to deal with this anymore. And a few days into it, I was at my desk, and I was reading the verses as, as was my habit at this point. And I, I cried out to God again. I whispered. I said, Lord, I said, God, save me. Save me. Save me. I'm done. I've come to the complete end of what I think is going to help at this point. Now I need you to move. Save me. And church, in that moment, I felt the power of God come into that room, and I felt um, what felt like arms come, come over me, and a whisper in my spirit that said, Let me. Let me. I didn't realize that for so long, what, what managing the pain felt like for me was just, just hold it, suppress it, keep it. Getting hurt as a kid and hurt um, growing up, just, just pu- you know, push it down. That, that's a true show of, of toughness and, and spiritual maturity. Just, just begin to just, just hold it. Because if you hold it, you're able to, you know, to help people and all, and all these other you know, stories that we tell ourselves. But I had built up the, this well of pain that had become so much I couldn't manage it anymore. It was coming out um, in actually the physical world. My soul had been suffering. Um, I can tell you that uh, after that moment, uh, I've never had another panic attack. Um, I can tell you that after that moment, it sent me down a new path of allowing God to touch and deal with a soul that was suffering. And I don't say that to brag and to, to get an applause. I say that to let you know that if you're suffering this morning, God will do the exact same thing for you. Um, that you do not have to walk out of here holding the same pain. You don't. You really don't. You don't have to walk out of here with the same hurts and with the same baggage. Um, and so before we continue, if, if your soul uh, is suffering, if you've just been carrying around stuff that is, is coming out in, in with these signs that God's saying, you know, I think, I think we might have some more work to do. I think we might need to get in there and, and see what's been going on. Um, if your soul is suffering, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you. Um, some people say, hey, you've tried everything else. You might as well try this, right? <laughs> I'd like to ask God to touch you. I, I know he will. As I pray over you, challenge yourself to open 
challenge yourself to open. And you're going to know you're opening when, right when you do it, you're going to hear this voice say, no, don't do that. Close right away. Close. You're about to get hurt. You're about to experience pain. Challenge yourself to stay open in these next few moments, okay? Lord Jesus, I ask, Father, that you touch every soul that is in here that is hurting, that is suffering, all broken hearts, Lord God, people that have have carried baggage for years. I pray that this morning would be the start of something new, but right now, God, I just ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just begin to touch and remind of your love, remind of your beauty, remind of your joy, Remind of your mission, of your purpose for that soul. Lord God, you say in your word that we really can't even imagine how much you love us. We could try, but there's, there's really no point. And so God, I ask that these souls that are suffering are reminded of the love that you have. This is your created child. This is your being. God, no more messages of of who we aren't, but remember, God, of who you've created us to be. Whole, full of light, full of love everlasting, full of freedom. Remind us, God, that suffering is not your plan and that we don't have to. So as I pray, church, just begin to release the pains that you've been carrying. Release it. Release it. Just try it. Just try and give it to God. And just begin to open to Him. Open to His truth. And touch in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to come up and start strumming a little bit, but uh, I, I want to end by just sharing. Um, Three simple things um, to put into practice. I believe that we are on the path. Um, the closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get to peace. The closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get to freedom. The closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get um, to your purpose. But three simple things that you can practice, practically start, tangibly start to practice. Number one is practice letting go. Practice letting go. Because I don't know about you, but what I, what I do is <laughs> I let go. Then I walk out of church, I'm like, yeah, come back here. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, pain. Like, I know what to do with you. And God's like, well, thanks. That was cool. But literally practice every single morning. Literally bringing your hurts, bringing your pain. And imagine handing them to God. Because God says, cast your cares onto me. That's why I sent my son to die on the cross. So that with him died depression. With him died anxiety. With him died this pain. Give me those burdens. And in exchange, I will give you back a new life. I will give you back the energy and the strength to get by today. I'll give you the, the focus you need today. I'll, I'll give you the energy you need today. But you've got to cast your cares onto me first. And so every morning, just wake up and say, Lord, 
man, I don't know how we're going to do this, but this is what's bothering me today. I just need you to take it. In exchange, he will give you back a peace that passes understanding. The second thing is don't go at this stuff alone, okay? Find someone that's been through it and has come through it on the other side that can advise you and that can encourage you and challenge you and, and pray for you. Also, find a, a trusted uh, a friend or, or a partner that you can share your experience with. Someone that's not going to judge you and that's not going to, to look at you like some kind of issue or problem, but they are into to doing this with you in life. Okay? Find someone. And the third thing is, guys, which is, is the most important, is, is to, to keep going. To keep going. I was on a hike a few years ago, and it was a really, really tough hike, 10-mile uh, half dome if, you, if you've done it. And so uh, towards the, the second part of the hike, man, your, your legs start to give out, you know, the oxygen is low, and your whole body's hurting. So you realize, okay, I, I got to find a new way to get up this mountain. And so I found that every time I kept my, my eyes up, looking at the top of the mountain, my whole body just kind of seemed to, to morph towards getting towards the top. So right now, keep the vision of who you want to be and where you want to be. Keep that vision of walking alongside God, following God, so that when you walk out of here and all throughout the week, your eyes are up and you're looking at, yeah, that's the man I want to be. That's the woman I want to be. That's exactly what I'm going to look like, talk like, and be like with God. That's who I am. Keep your eyes up. Second thing I notice is that when my back began to, to slouch, I just, I just would slow down a little bit. Um, I began to look back at the people, and um, I even found myself stopping and talking and when, when I had my, my back low. My back was straight. I just had this kind of air about me. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it. Like, I, I'm going to get there. I'll get there one way or another. Keep your back straight. Don't listen to the messages that are going to put you down. Don't listen to the, the people that may not have your best interests at heart. Unfortunately, some people would like nothing more than to see you suffer, and that's to see you continue to suffer. Keep your back straight and let those, those, voices, those voices bounce off you. Martin Luther King said, keep your back straight because the only time people can ride you is when it's bent. Keep it straight. And the last thing is no matter what, no matter how much today sucks or how much you think tomorrow might suck or the next week, you just refuse to stop. You keep your feet moving. You keep your feet moving. Even if you have to lift them with your arm, you, you keep your feet moving. God, I'm exhausted. I got two hours of sleep. You, you keep your feet moving. You just keep moving to the person you want to be. You keep moving towards perfect peace. You keep moving towards passion. You keep moving towards healing. You move, you move, you move like your life depends on it because it does. Church, I'm so honored that I was able to be with you this morning. I love you. Um, if you need prayer, if you need anything, I, I'm here for you. Again, I'm going to be outside talking to people. Um, God bless you guys. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.